0: This is America's com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.
1: Good morning and welcome to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. And today, the business at hand is the business of winemaking, uh, one of the world's oldest businesses. And today, that business is more competitive than ever. As we said in our uh, introduction to the uh, program, uh, some wineries have mastered the art and science of making quality wines with their own unique recipes for success. And one such winery is the Sonoma based Pats and Hall Winery that is recognized within the industry for making exceptional wines from exceptional grapes and making some of the most respected um, w- wines from those respected vineyards in California, one of the toughest and most competitive marketplaces. So I'm very pleased to have as my guest today Heather Patz from Patsen Hall Winery. Welcome to the program, Heather.
0: Thank you. Nice to be here.
1: Well, Heather, um, let's let's start at the beginning. We have lots of listeners who are fascinated uh, uh, about the roots of any given business, and the startup of a winery is is a distinctly different. Uh, startup than most businesses and uh, I've referred to it as an art and a science and uh, uh, let me ask you if you agree with that assessment that uh, growing grapes and turning those grapes into a, uh, a fine wine uh, do you believe as well that it's a cross between an art and a science?
0: Uh, yes absolutely I think um there is the science and the art. You have to be able to be creative and um, kind of uh, think on your feet. Actually, every harvest is a little different. Um, every vineyard is different. Um, the wine does kind of have a life of its own, so you have to be able to be flexible. Um, but then the you know the science part helps us out quite a bit to kind of fine tune, you know, the decisions that we need to make.
2: So
1: let's go back to the uh, the conception of. Hatson Hall, to the actual discussions uh, before the doors were open or uh, the grapes were grown and, and purchased, um, tell us a little bit about went into the early concepting uh, and who might have been involved in those early discussions.
0: Well, um you know, it started back in kind of the mid-'70s, really. Donald, Pats and myself, um, after we got married, used to come down and visit um, the wine country frequently, um, fell in love with wine, and you know, went back to Oregon and started wine tasting groups and you know, dinners in our home and you know, just reading up on it a lot. And um, it wasn't that much longer after that. We well, moved down to um, California, Napa, in uh, early-'80s. Um so the beginning really um when we met our partners, there's four individuals that own Patson Hall, um, was at Flora Springs Winery in Saint Helena. Um Donald Petz was the um original um sales and marketing guy there. And James was the assistant winemaker. So the two gentlemen actually um knew each other there and tasted a lot together and um, discussed, you know, the type of wine uh, that they really loved. And along with Ann Moses and myself, um, we got together and thought, you know, we're living here in Napa Valley. We're involved with the wine industry um, and we really have a passion and a desire for a certain style wine. And that style wine were, were the wines that we kind of fell in love with, um, so barrel-fermented, um, Burgundian-style um, Chardonnays and Pinot Noirs. Um, so it's, it is really unusual because we didn't have any vineyards and we didn't have a winery. Um, however, we had two partners that had um, training at UC Davis. Um, so James Hall was the winemaker, and Moses has a degree in the science of, of winemaking as well. Um So we started to taste wines um, from regions that we thought were going to make the kind of wines that we wanted to make, Um, and so we started to zero in on specific areas, um, specific um, vineyard managers, specific clones, soil types, that kind of thing. Um, So our very first um, fruit that we bought was from a grower named John Caldwell on the eastern hills of Napa. Um, And so we bought enough. um, We put a little bit of money together to buy the best French oak barrels we could and the best Chardonnay fruit we could. And that was um, in 1988 was the first vintage. Um, We had enough to do about 300 cases. And John Caldwell came to us and said, you know, I have some extra fruit. If you'd like to um, take it and press it, and if you like it, you can pay me later. Um, So we said, okay. Um, however, we didn't have enough, um, barrels for that extra fruit, so we actually went to James's father and asked to borrow some f- money to buy the extra barrels, and, you know, the story is that he thought he was never going to see that money again, but, uh, we did pay him back in a year, um, so that was kind of the start. We, it was a Napa Valley Chardonnay, 1988, um. You know, we did discuss um, the business and the style and the passion behind what we wanted to do. Um, Donald was definitely the sales um, person, and he used to call it Project X before we even made anything. and And went out and, you know, was talking to distributors and salespeople and restaurants and chefs and, you know, telling them about the story before we actually even actually even crushed any fruit. Um, so that's kind of the. Snippet of the beginning
1: there. Now, Heather, because Patson Hall focuses on Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, um, was there any discussion about uh, which varietal you might begin with? And and because you were in the earliest uh, years uh, in Oregon, uh, was there some conscious decision to leave a region that that was actually not yet known for its Pinots, but but was on its way? To come to California, and uh-huh. and was that because you were going to start with Chardonnay, and you felt like the grapes uh, in the Napa Valley were more conducive to a Chardonnay?
0: Well, uh, James had um, experience, more experience, really, making Chardonnay, so that was uh, part of it. Um, the fruit that we had available to us, you know, was Chardonnay, um, and it was just a, it was a. a Seemed like a a good start for us. Pinot's a a much harder wine to make well, and to find the fruit that is exceptional. So it just it made it a little, you know, it was a first good step for us. Um, We did leave Oregon, and and there were some wineries there, not anything like there is today. Um, And you know, we loved those wines as well. But I we were at the age we had a one year old and. We wanted to kind of get out and start on our own and we had loved California and the wines down here. And um, actually we didn't even, we came down here not thinking we were going to start a winery. Um, I was a dental hygienist and Donald was working for a distributor and it's just like, you know, we got in the right place at the right time and um, met the right people and, um, you know, 27 years later. Uh, We've developed a a beautiful winery and beautiful wines.
1: Now, Heather, correct me if if I'm wrong, but um, is it the case that oftentimes the beginning of some of the wineries over the last uh, two, three, four decades in Napa, in Sonoma, in Mendocino, um, that many of them started – in ways not unlike the story that you just told. Uh, Someone was in the business uh, with a distributor. Uh, Someone was an assistant winemaker. Someone had access to some grapes. There was a family member, all of which is true for a lot of business industry segments. But in the case of winemaking, I get a sense that this is often one big, giant, extended family and that okay. uh, one relationship leads to another, and that having access to those grapes and uh, working with James and James's father uh, led to the Chardonnay. Is that is that not unlike uh, a, a lot of the beginnings of some of the wine wineries in uh, Northern California?
0: I, I think so. It's definitely um, a community feel. It's agricultural business. Um, people help each other out um there is a lot more brands now so there is more um competition and healthy competition um but yeah in the early days and even today i mean we could call up somebody we know at a winery and say we need you know some magnum glass we're short 10 cases of magnum glass which is what happened to us (laughs) a while you know many years ago but and they had it and so we'd go drive and pick it up and, and get it um so there's, yeah, you definitely know each other. Um, now, like I said, there's so many more people involved that I, it's hard to keep up with them all. But, um, yeah, it's a great feeling. Um, the growers, you know, some of them have been growing fruit for five, six generations, um, and they're just fabulous and um, do everything they can um, to, you know, produce the best fruit you, they can for us. But, yes, yeah, so it's definitely a sense of family and community. And, um you know, even in the tasting rooms, you know, we all know each other at the different wineries, and you know, refer back and forth, and talk about the different uh, styles that each winery does, and um, so it's yeah, it's it's been great. It's been really a wonderful industry to belong to that way.
1: Well, I I even have the impression that it's it's um, not just one big extended family, but that it's one um, congenial uh, family, and and certainly uh Patsen Hall uh has uh, established and maintained some some great relationships i'm wondering if uh the last 10 years was much easier than the first 10 years of working with uh other individuals in the other groups other wine groups other vineyards uh mm-hmm. uh, uh just because you've done some of the right things to establish some of the right relationships and that you paved the way uh, to be a part of, to be a very respected uh, part of the family, and that uh, that these days if you need something, you have lots of resources compared mm-hmm. to t- uh, the, the early years?
0: You said that very well. Um, yeah, when we were back in 88, 89, 90, um, you know, we're kind of considered young punks on the street, and, <laughs> you know, what are they going to do, and... I mean, everybody hopes the best for you, but um, you you do have to prove yourself, and you do have to make the right decisions, and you have to make the right decisions over and over and over again, Um, and you have to um, pay your bills on time, you have to respect people, Um, you have to work with them, and I think that has all paid off. I know in the early days, uh, there were some people that we wanted to buy fruit from, but like uh, Lee Hudson, uh, he didn't have any available, but, you know, we kept you know, keeping connected with them and keep talking to them about how much we wanted his fruit. And, um, you know, and I think once we kind of proved ourselves um, with the quality of wine and the reputation of the way we do business, then, um, more and more people were apt to, um, talk to us and sell us fruit. Um, the early days they had this book called the purple book in, in Russian river. And, um, we used to call it dialing for grapes because it listed all the vineyards, all the wine owner uh, vineyard owners, and their contact information and who they sold fruit to and and I remember um, Donald used to call them up and try to introduce who we were and what we were doing, and you know would they be interested in um, talking to us about selling some fruit and uh, so it it took a lot of groundwork, yeah, and um, a lot of um, proving ourselves year after year
1: well. We're going to be taking a break here in just a bit. But when we come back, Heather, one of the things I'd like you to do is just spend a little time talking a little bit more about some of those relationships with some of the vineyards. Because you are one of the few highly respected uh, wineries that works with single-sourced grapes from some of the absolutely best-regarded vineyards in Napa in Sonoma, in Mendocino, in the North Santa Barbara coastal area, and um, i i 'd like to have you talk a little bit about um, what you have done to establish and maintain those relationships and maybe even share a little bit of um, the business dimension behind how a uh, Russian River Valley source or a Mendocino county source uh, of grapes and and you know, I think we can probably mention the name of some of these highly respected vineyards. Sure. But uh, we'll do that right after this break. We're okay. with Heather Pats of Pats Hall, and we'll be back with Heather in just a couple of minutes.
3: This is Cheryl Linker, host of the Master Gardener Hour on America's Web Radio, Saturday morning at 11 o'clock. Join us as we keep things fun and interesting as we educate you in the world of master gardening.
1: Do your children know where their food comes from? At ConnectingFarmToFork.com, there's all kinds of ways to help your child understand how 300 million of us here in America stay nourished, clothed, and healthy. Activities, food facts, and farm visits help young people learn about America's hardworking farmers and have lots of fun doing it. Visit ConnectingFarmToFork.com today for a learning experience that'll really grow on you. ConnectingFarmToFork.com, brought to you by the people who care at Feedstuff's Food Link.
2: This is
0: americaswebradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.
1: We're back with Heather Pats of Patsen Hall. You're listening to The Business Hour and we've been talking with Heather Pats about the beginning of the Patsen Hall winery. And how Patson Hall established some very key relationships with some of the vineyards in Northern California, Central California, the Sonoma Coast, and Santa Lucia Highlands, the rough Russian River Valley, so that Patson Hall, unlike some wineries, is working directly with these vineyards to acquire some of the absolutely best grapes in the world, and it wasn't as if you had access to those grapes in the very beginning, but you cultivated the relationships with these vineyards. And, uh, you know, I, I I might mention some of the, these names, Alder Springs Vineyard, Burnside Vineyard, Chenoweth Ranch, Dutton Ranch, Hudson Vineyard, Hyde Vineyard, Jenkins Ranch, Pisoni Vineyard, and Tony Ranch, these are absolutely undisputed, highly respected uh, vineyards, and it, it, it probably took a while to establish these relationships. Is that right, Heather?
0: Yes, it did, and um, it's the, really the core of our whole company is the relationships with the growers. Um, we work really closely with them um, throughout the whole year. Uh, we contract for certain sections of their vineyards, in some cases, like Chenoweth Ranch, we've actually had um, a vineyard planted specifically just for us with uh, our specifications. Um, and, you know, that, that was a real honor that took time to develop that relationship with uh, Charlie Chenoweth. Um, but we, we focused just on two varietals, Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. And we have spent a lot of time seeking out some of the best vineyards um, in Northern California, to make vineyard-designated wines. So specific wines from a specific place is uh, what really fascinated us about wine to begin with, that each site had its own unique characteristics. So these vineyards are, um, I sometimes describe it as brands in themselves. They become really well-known. Many of the vineyards, like Pizzoni or Alder Springs, um, are vineyards that not just Patson Hall buys fruit from, but um, some other producers as well, and has built a reputation because of the quality of wines that are being made from those vineyards um, for that vineyard itself. So, like on our label, it says the producer, Patson Hall, the vintage, and then it will say Zio Tony Ranch, Chardonnay, or um, Pisoni Vineyard, Pinot Noir. And it's um, an indication of that how unique that specific site can be. Um, yeah, we're really... Um, honored actually to be working with um, these growers and these sites and um, it it really makes um, the wines what they are. I mean, James is a fabulous winemaker and uh, does wonders with the fruit and I think they really respect that and um, and that's why we've been able to, you know, have these relationships and continue them on the early days. Um, Most of the fruit that we bought was not under any kind of written contract, and it always makes me feel really old. It was definitely a handshake and um, nowadays, almost all of the vineyards are, are under contract and uh, except for Pozzoni. Pozzoni just you know he's the only one that still like i'll tr- 'll try your wine and if I like it i 'll sell you more fruit next year <laughs> He tends to like us, so we we get the fruit every year, yeah. but uh, Larry Hyde was our very first um, other than John Caldwell, but um, Larry Hyde was one of the first to make a single vineyard uh, Chardonnay from. So we make a Chardonnay and a Pinot Noir from Hyde Vineyard, which is in the Corneros region on the Napa side. So Corneros is a, an AVA, American Viticultural Area, and it's really the only one that I'm familiar with that spans two counties, so parts in Na- the southern part of Napa and then the other is in, in Sonoma. Um, but uh, we've been working with him for um, 20, 26 years, and that vineyard is considered, even though we don't have like Grand Cru vineyards here in California, it's kind of considered one of those really highly regarded, um, proven year after year after year uh, quality, and it, it has to do with the site, the soil, but it also has to do with Larry Hyde himself and his family and, and um, how the, the growers tend the vineyard. And that's the other part of the relationship is working with them and trying to let them know what we need out of the vineyard and um, working with them and having them farm it in a way that uh, we feel is going to produce the best fruits for us.
1: Well, we talked about winemaking being uh, an art and a science. There's art and science on the wine growing or the grape growing side of the formula as well as art and science on the winemaking side of the formula. And my guess is that some of these vineyards uh, feel, uh, have a respect, if you will, for the kinds of wines that Hall makes and that that is what uh, contributes to a relationship where they wanna make uh, their grapes available to you at a price, uh, it's, it's a business, but that there's a mutual respect for the quality of the grapes, the quality of the wine. And, you know, the proof is in the pudding uh, in some uh, industry segments more than others. And certainly when it comes to winemaking, the proof is in the pudding. And the quality of the wine is something that I would think that a lot of these vineyards uh, feel uh, is key to maintaining a relationship because they not only like to see their grapes turn into great wine, but it enhances their reputation and their brand as well. Is, is that correct?
0: Exactly. Yeah, it's a, a true partnership. I mean, we put their name on the label and they provide us, you know, fabulous fruit. So it, it's kind of a win win uh, both ways. And uh, it is a business and, and we do pay. Uh, them well and need to do that to continue the relationship and there's a lot of respect on both sides
2: um
0: but yeah it's like in some vineyards you know you need to drop um some of the fruit if there's a heavy harvest and you you want more intensity to go into a smaller amount of fruit you know you you're asking the grower to cut off his um you know fruit and just drop it on the ground and you need to compensate him for that so in one of the vineyards that we work with we at um asked uh, Lee Martinelli to cut fruit off this Chardonnay vineyard and um, so we came to this agreement that we would go through and count the clusters that were cut off and on the ground so we walk down the rows, count the clusters and predict what the weight would be at harvest so whether it's a quarter of a pound, half a pound per cluster and uh, calculate what the um, harvest weight would be and write them a check for that so you really have to put the money um, you know you have to you have to pay them and and compensate them for the work that we're expecting them to do. Um,
1: and and certainly so. that would go into um, building the kind of relationship where they trust that you're going to understand um, the 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 business um, in, in, in such a way that uh, uh, you're going to honor uh, them uh, by you know, fulfilling your side of the, the bargain, which is to say if these grapes are not going to be used, um, you're still going to get compensated. I mean, you know, there is a, uh, a bottom line, if you will, uh, aside from the art and the science, there's, there's the business. Mm-hmm. And, um, by the way, Heather, you had mentioned, uh, Carnell says a, uh, AVA in American viticulture area. Uh, For listeners out there who may not be familiar, and many are, uh, Americans are increasingly, and and people worldwide, and we do have listeners uh, abroad, people are aware that a given region has some basic differences. They know there's differences in the soil, they know there's differences in the weather. But could you explain a little bit uh, about what goes into the designation designation of a viticulture area?
0: Sure. Um, so, it, Carneros, um, I'll, I'll just name a few of them so they get a couple names out there. But there's Russian River, Sonoma Coast, Mendocino. I think you mentioned some of these, um, Santa Lucia Highlands. So these are regions that have been designated um, mostly by, you know, currents off the coast and also, um, you know, soil types and um, mountain ranges, and so it's like the geographical kind of area um, and also the coastal influence. Um, Carneros is in the southern part of Napa, which butts up against um, what they call San Pablo Bay, which is connected to San Francisco Bay. So we get these breezes, fog currents that come in off the bay right up through the southern part of Napa, and Carneros gets that first. Um, So it's a cooling effect, almost like a a natural air conditioning unit. That region, um, the Chardonnay and Pinot can grow well in because it's ripening slower. It's cool mornings, cool afternoons. You get up higher into the Napa Valley, where you're surrounded by mountain ranges on both sides, it's quite hot, and so you have a thicker-skinned varietal of grape that will grow up there. Um, so varieties are typically associated with certain AVA's. So Carneros is often connected with or associated with Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, um, you go closer to the coast um, in the Russian River area and the in the Sonoma Coast region, and you again you get this natural air conditioning off the coast with the fog and the the breezes um, off the Pacific Ocean, and it helps to especially with Pinot Noir. It's very thin skinned. If it's too hot, it can get sunburned or dehydrated. Um, you need it to grow slowly. Uh, so that the um, flavors and the color and everything become intensified in the skin. Um, But yeah, these regions um, are indicative of the climate of that area and then we would uh, match up varietals to that type of climate. Um, And it's interesting, I'm in the tasting room a lot and you don't. Um, a lot of people nowadays that are tasting, um, they don't just say, I like Chardonnay or I like Pinot Noir. They'll say, I really love Russian River Chardonnay or I really love Carneros Pinot Noir. And I find that really interesting. That's one thing I've noticed. Um, they're becoming more aware of their preference uh, for a Chardonnay, maybe from Russian River. So Russian River is closer to the coast, a little cooler sites often. Um, it can be very ripe and tropical and kind of fruit forward, but then it has some nice acidity because it's a cooler, cooler area.
1: Well, back to um, what you mentioned in terms of giving, um, reinforcing the brand that is the the actual vineyard by putting the name of the vineyard uh, on the bottle on the label. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, that helps for people to
0: yes, and we put the um, the. AVA on on the back and, um, you know, a little bit about the vineyard and, you know, how many cases we make from that uh,
1: particular site. Um, also, um, Heather, the climate and, to some extent, the geography of California is... Uh, uh, not unlike certain regions in france and so we're going to be taking a break but when we come back i'm going to ask you uh, a little bit about uh, how the the wine regions compare because there are some similarities um, although there are some differences we're here with heather pats of the patson hall winery in northern california we'll be back with heather right after this break
3: this is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction on America's Web Radio. Please join us at 4 p.m. on Tuesday afternoons. Healthcare Consumerism Radio, learn, connect, share. Join us every Friday at 11 o'clock to learn all those confusing issues around healthcare, Obamacare, Medicare, Medicaid. We'll help you find the answers, help you stay in compliance. Join us Friday at 11 o'clock.
4: Spring is in the air literally so follow sniffles to Atlanta Center for breathing easy. weeds, spores, grass, pollen airborne allergen levels are through the roof putting your allergies into overdrive It's time to follow sniffles.com Follow me and breathe easy end your annual ritual of taking medication to alleviate facial pressure, facial pain, congestion and headaches by treating the problem, not the symptom. Balloon sinuplasty just could be the cure you're looking for. This proven in-office procedure can have you breathing easy. Back to work the next day. Follow Sniffles.com. Follow me and breathe easy. Your severe sinus and nasal symptoms, gone once and for all. Get lasting relief, a quick recovery, and start breathing easy again. Call us at 404-591-9100. That's 404 404- 591 Five nine one ninety one hundred. Follow me and breathe really easy. Follow sniffles.com.
2: Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since nineteen seventy nine has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF
1: thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host, and we're here with Heather Patz of Patzen Hall Winery, based in Sonoma, California. And by the way, we're going to be uh, getting around to talking a little bit about uh, the relocation of your, your headquarters from Napa to Sonoma. Uh, but before we, we go there, I wanted to follow up on what I had mentioned before the break. And that is, Lots of folks are familiar with some of the similarities between the geography and the climate of France uh, and Italy, for that matter, two of the major wine-growing regions uh, of uh, the world, uh, if not the two oldest established wine-growing regions. But from from Santa Barbara and and even south of Santa Barbara but from the Santa Barbara coastal region to uh, northern California up to Mendocino we have uh, some remarkably uh, similar geography and climate um to a a a vast uh, stretch of of uh, parts of uh uh Italy and France in, in, a, in a relatively smaller area. And then certainly the geology and the chemistry of the soil uh, would be different. But even there, uh, we may have some similarities. Um, and so uh, in the very earliest stages, do you think that it was grape growers who recognized that uh, the climate uh, and the uh, the verdant valleys of Northern California were suitable for growing uh, quality grapes, Heather?
0: Well, I, you know, I know over in the um, Russian River area it was, um, you know, abundant of uh, orchards like apples and plums and prunes and, and uh, you know, down in the southern areas, you know, more of the citrus and it's a, uh, it was a beautiful climate to grow all kinds of produce and even still in these areas, you'll see a, a, such a variety of foods and plants, and um, so and, and yes, yeah, so I think uh, people knew that um, this would be a great area to grow, you know, produce, basically, and so grapes were started to, to be planted. Actually, Warren Denton was kind of one of the first um, to really start planting you know, Chardonnay and Russian River, and kind of people thought he was crazy pulling out apple orchards and this and that, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a beautiful area to, to grow any kind of produce, and the grapes were, were doing quite well. Um, you know, Oregon seems to have a little um, more similarities to, like, the Burgundy areas of France, I believe, um, as far as the kind of cooler, you know, not maybe as much sun, sunlight as we do here in, in California.
1: In fact, I, I mentioned, um, you know, Santa Barbara to, you know, Northern California. But, of course, there's there's Oregon and now Washington uh, yeah. has uh, well over 100 uh, wineries. So that if we include that entire stretch of the, the West Coast, um, we have regions which um, are not unlike some regions in France where, you know, Correct. you have uh, the coastal uh, climate, but also temperatures um, that are not unlike uh, some regions in France. Cooler in France, warmer in Italy, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and consequently, we've uh, managed to make w- wines um, certainly, in my opinion, of equal quality these days. Uh, that that would be disputed, but uh, but similar and 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 very high quality wines. Um, Heather, you had mentioned early on that uh, when you began uh, making uh, Chardonnay um, that, of course, James Caldwell, uh, or rather John Caldwell, helped uh, supply um, grapes and that James Hall um, was more familiar with with making Chardonnay and that Pinot Noir is a a harder-to-make wine. Um, Why is that? Why is that? Yeah. What? Tell oh, us a little yes. bit about what goes into making Pinot Noir and, and why it's a a, a, a a little trickier to make if you want. Yeah. Will.
0: Well, you know, we made Chardonnay only for about seven years, and then we started um, sourcing some uh, Pinot Noir fruit. And one of the, a couple of the reasons why it's a little more difficult is um, the skin is thinner, and it's hard to have the fruit ripen in a way without getting, um, you know, mold on it or, you know, diseases. It's a little more vulnerable to um, uh, diseases, basically, and mold. Um, And when you're picking the fruit and bringing it in, you want it to be maturely ripe. Um, And that sometimes is hard to do, too, depending... And that's why the site is so important. You want it to, to be able to Really have some beautiful ripe fruit uh, flavors. You bring it to the winery, and you um, crush the fruit. And if you, it's you know, you extract. So you're pushing down on these berries and getting the juice out. And the flavor and the color comes from the skin. If you over extract, over vigorous with the fruit, you can get bitterness from the stems the seeds the skin so it's a gentle process and um you can't overdo it and you can't underdo it if you underdo it it's thin wimpy you know uh, not a lot of characteristics of great pinot are are imparted that way um so it's a balancing act on how it's processed that's it's one thing and for some reason, I think it just has a mind of its own. I know we've tasted in barrel you know one week, and we're thinking, "Oh my gosh, we can't bottle this. What is that <laughs> you know and then the you know two weeks later you're thinking, "Oh man, you know it's just developed into this beautiful wine, and um, sometimes you can't explain it it's just uh, kind of like a finicky teenager, I think sometimes in the in the um in the barrel room, um, but I think it's one of the best. You know, the most beautiful, impressive, romantic wines there are to be made is the Pinot Noir. And it, actually, it was a Pinot Noir that made me fall in love with wine. And I think they're just so enticing. Um, but it, it's hard to get it right. And I think, you know, James has been working at it for quite a while and, and, and does a beautiful, balanced job with the Pinot Noirs now. But it, yeah, it's hard to grow it, and uh, it's low yield, so you pay a lot for the fruit, or you pay by the acre so that you can have more say in how it's farmed. Um, smaller clusters, harder to extract without you know, doing something wrong or destroying the, the wine. So those are a couple of the reasons.
1: Certainly um, a prime example of how it's a cross between art and science, and and speaking of science, um, first of all, is is uh, James Hall still your primary winemaker?
0: Yes, yeah, he's been our winemaker since 1988. Um, so yes, he has. He's been our primary winemaker, and. I think one thing I probably didn't mention is, you know, I talked about we didn't own a vineyard or a winery at the beginning. Um, So for many years, we made our wine at Honig Cellars, which is in Napa Valley. And James happened to be the winemaker there during the time we were making our wine there. And uh, Honig makes Cabernet Sauvignon and Sauvignon Blanc, and we do Chardonnay and Pinot, which means these varietals come into the winery at different times. So we shared the equipment Uh, We had all our own barrels and everything, so that was a a a wonderful thing for us to have a facility to bank our wine at like that. Um, In 2007, we actually hired our first employee, which was our general manager Russell Joy, and he helped us to see that we could um, build our own winery. Um, So in 2007, we built a like a production facility in Sonoma. uh, but we have all our own presses, all our own barrels, and so we have our own facility now.
1: So you have a production capability um, in Sonoma, but I am, am I mistaken with the opening of the new Sonoma house? Is, is that where uh, uh, Patson Hall is now headquartered as well?
0: It's, um, the, the Sonoma house at Patson Hall is a um, beautiful home on 16 acres, and it's about a quarter of a mile up the road from where the production facility is, so the, we're right all together now. So we've moved our offices over to the Sonoma House. The whole hospitality, uh, wine tasting, um, entertainment uh, center is at the Sonoma House.
1: And the production uh, capabilities in in Sonoma as well now.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Um, back to this issue of science. Um, there are. Um probably legions of folks uh, in the valley, uh, in the two valleys, Napa and Sonoma, and and throughout California, for that matter, uh, that have backgrounds uh, from one of the wine programs, perhaps most notably the University of California at Davis, which has a, uh, is it a zymergy and maybe an enology um, department or program? Yeah,
0: uh, uh, enology, uh, winemaking, and viticultural um, departments, so, and um, you know, the vine health and um, vineyard management type courses. And so that's, the- uh, yeah, James and Ann both went uh, to that course. And they offer courses, um, you know, for anybody. Um, and there's some, even a great community college actually in Napa. That has some wonderful courses, and quite a few people, even in the hospitality industry around here, take these courses, so they're familiar with the uh, winemaking and the production side and the and the vineyard side.
1: Let's um, let's talk about your uh, your new Sonoma house. Um, pretty exciting development uh, in the evolution of Patson Hall. Uh, it's a beautiful new facility. Um, in the Sonoma Valley, near the town of Sonoma. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the Sonoma house.
0: Well, we've been there in, we moved in about five months ago. Um, it's been about a year and a half project for us. Uh, it was an existing home. Um, the whole property is about 8,000 square feet with the buildings. Uh, we converted the garages into offices, um, the bedrooms into offices, and you know we had to do um, ADA-compliant bathrooms. But it's really a beautiful home, a modern-style home, and it's um, on this 16 acres. We've planted um, some Chardonnay and Pinot Noir there, so we have that going. Um, but the home is really nice because uh, we kind of started in our homes. So we used to have dinners and tastings in our homes. and So now to have a beautiful home to invite our club members into and our customers and our, our you know retail and our distributor um, salespeople in is really nice. It's comfortable. It has a fireplace and the family room we've converted into a um, reserve room for our club members to use. Uh, The dining room we um, made into our, we call it the salon tasting. It's a sit-down kind of a um, private tasting. It takes about an hour and we taste through. Uh, We sit down and we have Three Chardonnays, uh, single vineyard Chardonnays side by side, and three Pinot Noirs side by side, and so you can go back and forth and try the differences in the wines. And the winemaking is very consistent for the Chardonnays, and then very consistent for all the Pinots. So what we're really doing is showcasing the site again, the vineyard. Um, so you sit down, and we have like some little savory panna cotta bites to go with each of the wines, and talk about the vineyards we've got the growers portraits on the walls, so we can say that's you know charlie chenoweth or that's lee hudson um and so the house has given us the opportunity to you know have more events for our club members and um a beautiful space to really showcase the wines after all these years um we had a, a lovely little place in the, in the corporate park in Napa, and it was beautiful, but it was, um, you know, in a uh, corporate setting and almost like in a parking lot. So this has, feels, you know, uh, more in tune with um, the brand after all these years and also with the beautiful wines that we make.
1: Heather, let me uh, interrupt you. Uh, we're going to be taking a break. When we come back, we'll talk just a little bit more about uh, your new headquarters and the Sonoma House. We're here with Heather Patts of the Patsen Hall Winery. We'll be back with Heather right after this break.
3: This is Dr. Susan Blank, Medical Director for the Atlanta Healing Center. Our team is able to offer a multitude of treatment options, such as quantitative EEG, also known as brain mapping, hormonal and nutritional assessments, neuropsychological testing, and cognitive therapy along with traditional 12-step facilitation. And we can even offer you, if appropriate, a gentle medically managed detox. Please contact us at 770-696-9862.
2: The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. did you miss a
1: show that you really wanted to hear all of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on itunes you can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like
0: this is americaswebradio.com the best in chat radio designed just for you
1: welcome back to the business hour we're here with heather patz of the Patson hall winery located in Sonoma, California, and we've been talking about the Sonoma House, their new tasting facility and headquarters for Patson Hall. And Heather, you were talking about uh, some of the wine tastings that go on there. Um, Do you also um, host dinners? I I think you might have mentioned food And I'm wondering if you have some food and wine pairing um, sessions at the New Sonoma House. Uh,
0: Yes. So we do our salon tasting. And when it's a food and wine pairing, uh, we work with a caterer. And she does savory panna with different toppings. So we have one that's called lemongrass with coconut or crab with coconut crumble. We have truffle with parsnip fries, things like that, to kind of make it fun and entertaining and more enjoyable. Uh, so that's our salon tasting. We do. We just starting today, actually, our patio terrace tasting with cheeses and wine. And then we have our bar tasting, uh, which is a really fun, comfortable tasting. We do those on the hour. So we have some options of tastings. We have a garden house in the back where we do do private lunches and dinners. I have a group um, coming in today, fourteen people, and they have the garden house to themselves and we taste through four wines um, and tonight we're starting our backyard series so in order to have the locals come and see our place and you know just welcome them into our home we're doing we're inviting them to come and hang out in our backyard which is beautiful views and we're having music and uh, a food truck and uh, wine for them to purchase and games for the kids so we're really excited about that tonight
1: I'm uh, personally excited about the uh, prospect of uh, getting to um, taste uh, some of uh, y- your wines, which, by the way, I, I am a member of your wine club and do receive um, uh, wines from the Salon Society and uh, uh, am slowly uh, but surely converting uh, folks who aren't as familiar with Patson Hall into uh, wine aficionados of Patson Hall. And I'm looking forward to coming to the new Sonoma House uh, in September. So I'll have to uh, okay. make sure I um, sign up and uh, see if I can't be uh, a part of one of uh, one of the tastings. Because our experience and our 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 exposure uh, to you personally was at a really very lovely tasting uh, in Napa. Um, you had mentioned that facility, which was in a, a, a corporate office park if you will but a space that you had converted to a very elegant uh tasting facility i thought you had done just such a nice tasteful job oh, thank and you. Uh, and yeah. you were you were I, well personal. we're
0: looking forward to you coming and seeing our new place too i think we've brought a lot of the similar elements there so it's it's very warm and 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 beautiful and elegant as well
1: well, you were personally warm and elegant and uh, knowledgeable, and we had a great uh, tasting of some wines and cheeses. Um, I, I wonder, uh, Heather, if you you don't find yourself uh, occasionally, if not regularly, w- w- waking up and realizing that you 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 live in Disneyland. <laughs> work?
0: It is beautiful. It's it is wonderful, and um, you know I love people and I love wine. I like love the whole community, and um, and food aspect of the business. So it is lovely. I mean, I would never have imagined I would be doing this. I don't think any the four of us ha- ever had this in mind when we were growing up, and um, so it, it is. It's a real blessing, and we love it. Um, and it's really nice to share something positive and joyful with other people and, you know, we have a product that we can kind of give back at, I do a lot of charity and pouring so, uh, you know, that's another part of it that feels really good to to be a part of so many people's lives I have club members that say, you know, we have cats of the Hall at every major event in our family's life <laughs> and I, you know, people get engaged and they have it at weddings and it's just um, you know, I love that, I really do
1: So What advice would you give to um, someone who is thinking about, and and Lord knows there are lots of folks who visit uh, uh, the Napa-Sonoma region uh, or go to France or Italy, um, but often when they visit the Northern California wine region, um, they uh, see and hear about folks who had uh, totally different professions. It might have been dental hygiene, (laughs) Um, It it, it could be a number of other uh, areas where um, there was some money made and uh, money available to invest in a winery. Um, Do you have any advice for someone who is thinking they might want to get involved and uh, start a winery?
0: Well, um, you know, I think the way I look at it is – you know, start tasting a lot of wine. Go to the wine shop. Go to wine tasting groups. Start a wine tasting group. A lot of times, people come out here two or three times a year and get a feel for the area, um, and then you kind of really find out where your passion is as far as the wine. Um, it's. Um, I would. You know, you can work as an intern, which is kind of a great way to get into um, seeing how the whole business works at harvest. Every winery hires interns um, to partake in the harvest. Um, Financially, if you're going to invest, I mean, right now, I would probably look in Russian River, Sonoma Coast area. There's some beautiful pieces of property there, and those are being developed into some more Pinot Noir vineyards. Um, Napa, there is some available here, but it, it takes a small fortune, basically, to to buy vineyard land around here, it's, you know, in the ups of a quarter of a million an acre planted or higher, depending on the vineyard. Um, but I think getting to know the area, getting to know the people, um, starting to make some uh, friendships and partnerships with the people that have been here a long time would be a, a good way to start.
1: And you mentioned uh, internships. Um, are, there, are there young people from uh, throughout uh, the region and maybe from... Uh, other parts of the country that that come uh, to engage in internship programs.
0: Yes, um, every year, Patson Hall hires about ten interns. They come from all over. Most of them are from the states, but sometimes from other countries. And they don't necessarily have to have any um, education or background in wine. They just have to have a real passion and love, and have the time. And it's really a great experience. Um, James does a heads up that crew you know just so nicely and they get along and have a wonderful time together so um you know if somebody has two or three months and has a passion for wine that is that is an option and there's a you know a couple sites you can go to or even you know sending we get resumes all the time from um customers that are interested
1: well, you mentioned passion and love, and I have to say I I, I experienced uh, the passion and love when I last visited. And uh, and I can taste it in your Chardonnays and your Pinots, uh every time I uh, open a bottle of Patson Hall Chardonnay or, or Pinot Noir. Heather, I want to thank you uh, very much for taking the time to be my guest today in the Business Hour.
0: Oh, thank you. I really enjoyed it. I look forward to seeing you out here.
1: Well, you will, and I'll be following up with you uh, to make sure I schedule something uh, with you. Thanks again. You've been listening to Heather Pats of the Hall Winery. I'm Ron Camacho, your host of the Business Hour here on America's Rep Radio. We're on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you on the radio next week. Thank you. Bye-bye.